the VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 630, recorded on November 2nd, 2021. thirtieth edition of the TV Gaming Podcast and four hundred and sixty third episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Denzer. I am Scott Dirk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry, and this week a gaming flashback. Yes. So I will go first with what we've been playing. Uh first, Everspace 2. Um, here's the thing. I it's the controls are kind of weird for a space sim, which I had to get used to. And it's also sort of slick. But then again, this is all early access stuff. Um, I stopped playing because when I got to the base and I looked at my options, I saw this feature coming soon, this feature coming soon, this feature coming soon, this feature coming soon, this feature coming And then I said, no, come back to me when you're fully featured. I, 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 don't want, I don't want to invest time in a game in which all this cool stuff you can do at some point. And that's the problem with early access, basically. It's, you know, that's why I haven't played Baldur's Gate 3 in a couple of months, because I know they're making changes, but I'm still, I'm still holding out. I may just hold out all the way until it's actually released. Yeah, that's what I'm doing, too, waiting for them to fully release it. Then you'll have all the bells and whistles that it's supposed to have. Well, in Baldur's Gate 3, it's more like tweaking, but still. I did play a game uh, that just launched on Game Pass, and that is Unpacking. Um <laughs> It's an extremely simple puzzle game, but it is charming as hell. Go ahead. I know you want to say something about it, TJ, now. <laughs> Which one? Unpacking? Yeah. That game looks super charming. I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but our uh, but our dude that did a review for it really enjoyed it. Yeah, and here's the thing. It's not exactly the hardest game in the world, although I'm stuck right now trying to figure out where this stupid little thing is supposed to go. So uh, basically, it's a puzzle game, sort of, kind of, and um, what you do is you just opening boxes and putting stuff out and putting them in different rooms. Sometimes stuff will come out of the box because it doesn't belong in that room. Like, oh, I left my toothpa- uh, toothpaste and toothbrush in this thing where I had all my underwear, which happens in real life. Face it, you know, when you're packing, it's sort of like, yeah, I'm just going to toss this in here for now. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to have clothes, but I have other shit in there. Um, and as you're doing it, you're following the life of this person. So uh, the first time is 1997. They're a little kid. They have their own bunk bed. That's actually um, not exactly a bunk bed. What do you call a bunk bed that only has a top bunk and underneath it is your desk and everything else? You know, it's one of those kind of bunk beds. And then you're at college and then you move in with two other roommates and all that stuff. And all of the storytelling is um, is very contextual. Right. And doing certain things like uh, putting the hat on a, on a mannequin's head will get you an achievement, that sort of thing. So basically, it's very chill, very laid back. There's no win-fail situation. You just have to figure out where things go. And, you know, um, it's like that, you know. So it's a very charming, very understated game. Uh, it's sort of a game in which, you know, if I have 15 minutes, i say, you know what, I'm just going to go do some unpacking. Um, the Minecraft la- uh, Minecraft launched on, on Game Pass, and you get both versions. We discussed this already in podcast a few weeks ago. As a matter of fact, by the way, everybody, uh, last week um, we couldn't 
record because not everybody was available, so we just skipped a week. Um, and it comes with the Bedrock and the Java versions. Um, I'm probably going to do the Bedrock versions, which has all the official stuff. I know that uh, Scott still plays on the Java version. But it's nice that they uh, support both versions and say, eh, whichever one you want to do, just do it, Scott. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, play whatever version you want. Uh, I've been told that the Redstone in Java is more consistent with what, uh, you know, to, to get the results you want. Uh, I don't know. Java is just what I've used because I can import whatever dungeon yeah. or skin I want and not have to right. pay so- for it. The main difference is that the Bedrock version has the official Minecraft content, and the Java version is the one in which you can just install mods onto and stuff like that. But um, there was another game that I was going to play, and I... Oh, yeah, I've been playing Edge of Empires 4. I've started it. It's like um, I accidentally skipped the tutorial, even though I know how to play Age of Empires. It's sort of like I... I feel like I missed out on something, and I can't figure out a way to play the tutorial because I'm figuring it has stuff like... How to select only one part of an army, you know, all the all the musketeers say. So I'm trying to figure that out. I'm still playing Back for Blood. I'm playing it less frequently. Uh, I don't know. It's I've done Left for Dead. It's fine. I'm finding myself still doing State of Decay 2, and this time I'm playing it on the hardest difficulty, which means you have to sneak around everywhere. And humans are now the most dangerous thing because in in regular modes, just headshot them, they die. In this in nightmare mode, uh, they will kill you dead quickly. And you can't kill them dead quickly. So I'm waiting until I have a nice long-range sniper rifle <laughs> so that they can't reach me. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Scott, what have you been playing? I've been playing Cold Steel 4. I'm still working my way through that game. Uh, I played a little bit of Minecraft, too, as well. I had to build a, uh, a, a, a copper golem statue to, you know, just memorialize uh, not having it in. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, poor you. (laughs) Kind of bummed me out a little. Uh, yeah, you're gonna have to wait like one or two years for the other ones to come out. (laughs) Yeah, it'll it'll be a year or so before uh, 1.19 comes out. I think Uh, probably like next fall or so. You know, I think the reason why I am doing Minecraft with the PC version is that um, I want to be able to have a browser open so I can see. Okay, this is if you're playing Minecraft for the first time, this is what you should be doing. I mean, I know how to punch trees, but <laughs> I just want some sort of progression before I start before I start going off on my own. Yeah, I guess people wanted a uh, brief, you know, tutorial, so now they have one or they've had one for a little while. But it's like again, it's a game where you're just thrown into it and be like, do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, I but. They- I, I want to be able to know how to build an axe right away or, you know, that sort of thing. Like I said, Minecraft may be make your own fun, but I do need a little bit of a hand-holding. Hey, there's, there's Let's Play videos, if that helps. And, nah, uh, I'd rather just use a wiki. Anyways, uh, what else have you been playing, TJ? I mean, Scott. Uh, let's see. Well, like I said, Cold Steel 4, I've been working my way through that game. I'm in Act 2 now of it. And uh, the story, How long have you been is... playing it? Hmm? How long have you been playing it? Oh, a uh, couple weeks, I guess. Um, yeah, I'm definitely getting close to 100 hours on it, and I'm maybe halfway through it now. Oh, just 100 hours and just halfway through it. How much grinding do you have to do? Jesus. Uh, you don't have to do any grinding. It's just a lot of side stuff. Just trying to make sure I don't miss little... Uh, 
little quests or extras or whatever, trying to get all the achievements possible. So I had to like talk to various NPCs and fulfill stuff. Um, it's I don't know, just a game that I take my time in, I guess. I just end up with a lot of hours on it. By the way, for those who are lost, um, he's talking about the Legend of Heroes: Trails of Cold Steel Four. It's not it's yeah. not a game called Cold Steel Four. It's just just you don't want to say all those words. It's a long title. That's that's true. Uh, I, you know, can't help that, I guess. How about you, TJ? What have you been playing? Um, I went back to Wasteland Three for most of uh, last week. I uh, I haven't finished the game. Wait, yeah. what, didn't you say that the, that was the game that you wanted to play with your wife? Uh, yeah. We're, and we have. We've been playing through. We we fell off of that game for a while because there was a bunch of other stuff that came out. But we went back to it, and uh, our characters are still intact, and they have a whole bunch of DLC now. Yeah, I was about to say that, yeah, there's been quite a bit of DLC that was released for Wasteland 3. So we're trying to burn our way through uh, the main campaign work our way up to the DLC that they have for it. Um, it's it's fun. That world is fun. I uh, I like the factions at play. I like the stories at play. I think the I think uh, a lot of the that game has a lot of ridiculous humor in it, and it works in the in the confines that it that it is in. Um, I like the faction of people that discovered old like dark world uh black and white monster movies and made an entire gang and clan out of it uh just getting wolfman masks and dressing up like vampires and werewolves and uh they have a hardcore like black metal version of the monster mash um (laughs) and it's just fun I, i i like i also like the strategy of that game i have a pretty good uh I have a pretty good uh, array of companions that meet my, that are set up for like whatever I might come across. Like my my main guy is like the leader and the first and the medic of the group, and so like I I pulled out full leadership, full uh, full first aid on him. Uh, my runner up is um is a uh, a giant of a dude that knows his way around explosives. And is also big on melee and strength, so he can just run around the whole board when in combat and just zing a guy with a baseball bat, and then also disarms explosives as I go. So that's nice to have. Um, I like snipers in that game. I like it. it, it it's just been really fun re-exploring it because that game is so dense. Um, you know that. Then, you know, it's just I'm thinking, you know, in Exile, who developed the game, you know, I, I'm still wondering what their next project is going to be do. They're going to do because if you recall, a couple of weeks ago they said, okay, we're done with Wasteland 3. This is everything we're making for it. We're finally cutting the cord and we're going to move on to something new. And it makes me wonder what they're going to move on to. I wonder if they're finally going to go back to uh, Bart's Tale. Well, I was going to say fantasy. Well, actually, Bard's Tale, now that you mentioned it, would probably be the most sensible one because they, they kind of shoved Bard's Tale 4 off for, for a while, did they? Or did they finally come out with it? No, Bard's Tale yeah, 4 came out. It came out Bard's Tale 4. They released it. Okay. As a matter of fact, I think it's on Game Pass. I didn't know they actually ended up coming out with Bard's Tale. I, got it, I thought it got shoved off. Nope, no, you're right. It, it did. It directed cut, in fact. Well, then I'd like to see them go back to Torment. 
Torment? I wouldn't mind seeing that. Like, uh, I know, I know, Torment, Tales of Numenera. I mean, I have it. I haven't even yeah. gotten into that. Uh, you they, know, I would, they did, uh, they did Torment, and I would like to see them do another game in that universe. Yeah, I'm wondering. That's the D and D license, though. I mean, the reason, the entire reason why they did uh, Tales of Numenera was because you know um, they couldn't get the D and D license. They couldn't do Torment, Planescape I'm sure Torment. They can get it now if they want. Uh, <laughs> they have the money to get it now if they want. They have like, Microsoft yeah. money behind them now. <laughs> exactly. So whoever has that exact license, they can go. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Larian actually now has the D and D license. They oh have yeah, Baldur's Gate license. They have the Baldur's Gate license. I don't know if they have the D and D one, but they definitely have the Baldur's Gate. I wonder if Planescape is a different license entirely. Yeah, they, uh, they, they they divide up the licenses. Apparently, it gets very chopped up. Unfortunately, so you you might. Isn't have Baldur's one. Gate Forgotten Realms? Yeah, you have something specific for the Forgotten Realms. Then you have something specific for the SI side boxes. Then you have something specific for D and D in general. Then uh, the different uh, realms, the, you know, the different settings. You know, there's one for Dark Sun and Kryn and Mustara. It, it just, it's all chopped up. Nice. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, that's if I was gonna see if I was if I wanted my personal pick of what they did next. I would want them to return to the Torment franchise and do some more, like, dark fantasy fiction. Actually, I'm going to um, gonna, gonna go a little bit uh, a little bit different than what you're saying. I'd like to see them go back to the Castles uh, franchise, which they haven't done in a very long time. Uh, the Castles was a, um, a, a castle building thing in which... You built a castle, and you, you know, it was resource management, and then you had people coming in and fighting and stuff like that. And I always liked stuff like that. There was also that D and D version of the game Stronghold. Does it? Does anybody remember uh, Dungeons and Dragons Stronghold? Yes, I remember playing that game a lot. That was fun as hell. It was dense and it was difficult, but I enjoyed the story make the storytelling that it made. It was definitely a lot of fun. Uh, as soon as you figure out how to build taverns, those were my money makers, and I made yeah. so much money. And then just <laughs> hired a whole bunch of people to go fight uh, monsters. But, you know, the thing is that, um, and you probably felt this too, like um, you could feel the Commodore 64. At least I played the Commodore 64 version. You could feel it straining under it. It's like, oh, my God, this, this game is so demanding on resources. Oh, God. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't play on Commodore 64. I played on a Packard. It's still the same uh, thing, same thing. But it, yeah, yeah. On that too, it, you, you could feel it was like it was. It was, felt like it was going to crash any second. Yeah, it, uh, I, I've had. I remember those days of uh, graphic game crashes just because the game was too demanding. It was 3D now, when 3D wasn't a thing. Right. So I guess. Uh, pseudo 3D then yeah no it was it, it was three it had polygons but the thing is it was building it was building yeah. a castle so it wasn't like it was demanding in that way but it was still using polygons and um, the castles uh, was basically the same kind of game in which you build a castle then you have to deal with you know defending it and stuff like that you know because that I don't know if anybody remembers the castles games. Of course, watch this. He just know. makes another clay fighter. Mm. Actually, I know 
a lot of people who love the Clay Fighter series. They just cling to it and, and just have very good memories of Clay Fighter. You're the you're the uh, you're the fighting game expert, uh, TJ. What did you think of Clay Fighter? I didn't think much of it. Really? Yeah, I, uh, I wasn't a big fan of Clay Fighter. I, the, I wasn't huge on the characters, and I wasn't huge on the fighting in that game. I think uh, there were things like Clay Fighter that were better than Clay Fighter, including Primal Rage. Okay. <laughs> I just know a lot of people who are really into it. By the way, there was one other game, um, series of games that he made, which he'd never get the license to, but he was the first one to really make effective Star Trek games. Do you remember, uh, I think it was Star Trek Judgment Rights and Star Trek 25th Anniversary, and he also did Starfleet Academy... I don't know who did Final Unity, but I think that was the one that I really liked. It was like a point-and-click adventure, and you could pick different uh, crewmates to go down onto well, a that's what Well, that's what Star Trek 25th Anniversary did, um, and also Judgment Rights. I, I don't think he did uh, Unity, though. Okay. But it was, it was a fun game. Anything else you've been playing, TJ? Um, I also jumped into Darkest Dungeon 2 in Early Access. Yeah, we we saw that. I saw that on Twitter. It's fun. I uh, I think it's quite a bit of a step up in every way from the other one. And not that, and not that I, I haven't had a long enough time to like see if everything is going to work out like the way that it should for a long period of time. But it's also an early access, and my first impression is that like I can see where they took everything from the old game and improved upon it in interesting ways. Um. Yeah, I have it on my press account for uh, Epic Game Store, but I haven't played it yet. It's still ridiculously hard. <laughs> well, isn't that its okay. entire thing? Having uh, your people go nuts and crazy and... Ah! This time around, they added an affinity system where your characters not only go nuts and crazy, but they'll get, like... They'll like develop affinities for each other, where they'll either work to they'll either work. Uh, oh, they love each other or hate each other. Okay, got it. <laughs> friends and and uh, give each other bonuses in combat, or they'll hate each other and uh, like straight up talk shit on each other in battle and, and make them and give them debuffs like missing attacks and things. And like it's interesting to see that play out because it's everything from like in battle to like when you're on the road and you make choices. One character might like that choice, but the other char- some of the other characters might hate that choice. Oh, now you're just reminding me that Jagged Alliance, uh, the, the sequel, has been in development hell. Because <laughs> that was basically the other thing about Jagged Alliance. You had to be careful what, what uh, mercs you put in your team, because some of them hate each other, some of them like each other. Mm-hmm. Some will just outright quit your team and just say, bye, I hate you. Yeah. So this is uh this has been a fun one where uh and like in the old game in the other other game you like just walked you basically chose a dungeon and you went room by room. This one puts you on like a it's like a it's like FTL but like ho- by horse drawn carriage. Okay. Where you have a you have like a spider webbing trail of paths that lead to eventually like a boss battle. And uh, you have to like follow, go along that path, and some and some stops will have like people that you can assist who will give you gold and uh, and treasures and items if you help them, or you'll run into a monster encounter, or you'll run into like 
a uh, a tre- like a den where you can fight various enemies and get bigger treasure if you keep going. I uh, I think it's interesting the way they set it up to where you take this sort of branching carriage path with a carriage that you can actually upgrade. No, I hope so. Uh, if you're able to upgrade your ships in FTL, you can upgrade your your your, your carriage. So it's really interesting what kind of mechanics they've put in here to like sort of expand from what they had before. I'm really interested to see how this plays out in early access. Cool. Anyways, uh, we do have a gaming flashback, and TJ, take it away. Our gaming flashback this week is Bastion. Bastion is an action role-playing game developed in, by independent developer Supergiant Games, and originally published in 2011 by Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment. In the game, the player controls the kid as he moves through fighting uh, through floating fantasy-themed environments and fights enemies of various types. It features a dynamic voiceover from from a narrator, Logan Cunningham, and is presented as a two-dimensional game with an isometric camera and hand-painted colorful art style. Bastion's story follows the kid as he collects special shards of rock to power a structure, the Bastion, in the wake of an apocalyptic calamity. Levels contain many different environments, including cities, forests, and bogs. At the end of most levels, players collect an item called a core or a shard. Occasionally, the level begins to disintegrate once the kid takes the item, forcing him to hastily retreat. As the player progresses through the levels, the vo- a voice narrates their actions. The narration gives scripted plot information as well as dynamic comments, such as on the player's skill with a weapon or a performance while fighting enemies. Between levels, the kid visits the Bastion, where the player can use the fragments, the game's form of currency, that, that they've accrued to buy materials and upgrade weapons. With each core the player collects, they can add one of six structures to the Bastion, such as a shrine, an armory, a distil- or a distillery. And each shard allows the player to expand a structure. Each structure serves a different purpose. For example, the distillery lets the player select upgrades, and the shrine allows the player to choose idols of the gods to, of the gods to invoke, causing the enemies to become stronger and giving players increased experience points and currency. Experience points are used to determine the kid's ability level. Higher values give give the player more health and increase the number of upgrades they can select. Bastion was published on July 2011 for Xbox 360 via Xbox Live Arcade, and in August 2011 through the digital distribution for, uh, for Microsoft Windows on Steam. Supergiant Games made it available as a browser game for for Google Chrome in December of 2011. It was released for Mac, OS X, and iOS in 2012. For PS4 and PlayStation Vita in uh, 2015, for Xbox One in 2016, and for Nintendo Switch in 2018. I want to ask you a question. Uh, you know who Supergiant Games is. Does this sound like a certain game that was released last year? Uh, in a lot of ways, yeah. Um, wait a minute, what is that noise? It's someone's game rising. It's not me. I don't know why it's rising. It must be Skype doing it, because I'm not doing it. That's weird. 
I muted it and it didn't happen. So something. Because I was about, to, I wanted to say something that uh, I played this game a lot when it came out and I really loved it. I don't recall any game that recently came out that's like it. Uh, the, well, for one thing, for one thing, you know, the one thing that everybody remembers is the narrator. <laughs> oh yeah, the narrator was very interesting. He would narrate what you're doing basically. He was, he was doing his best Barry White impression. And then oh, the kid well, went on. I think that's just Sorry. the guy's voice, but uh, yeah, but it was very much like a Barry White. Like you can you can hear the sexual sexual chocolate in there in the voice. I think it's just a kind of apocalyptic uh, narrator voice, kind of like uh, the guy that does uh, Fallout: War Never Changes. Uh, Perlman, I think. Right? That's Ron Perlman. Yeah. Yeah, Ron Perlman. His voice is just very deep and gravelly, and a lot of gravitas. I think that's just kind of what they wanted because you have this guy, you have this kid who's trying to bring back the world from the brink of destruction and then just trying to rebuild. So it's just very, uh, just very uh, dramatic, I guess, you know, uh, wants to up the tension of what he's doing. Uh, and it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, you have different weapons and you're fighting monsters and you got to figure out the best way of defeating them because some certain weapons were better than others so you had to do different strategies and I just really loved the graphics and I just loved how it kind of built itself as you go along so this was definitely one of my favorite games you know what's interesting is that um, Supergiant Games comes out with a game every three years they've only released four games 2011 Bastion 2014 Transistor 2017 Pyre and 2020 Hades which makes me sort of sad because that means we have to wait until 2023 for their next game. <laughs> oh, good games take time. Yeah. Um, you played it, though, uh, TJ, right? Bastion? Yes, of course. <laughs> of course. Well, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Bastion does, it seems like it was released on more th- platforms than it seems like it. every time. It's like it's always there. It's like Limbo. It always comes back somewhere, somehow. And... Um, See, this was at the height of XPLA, uh, summer of XPLA, do you remember? Because every summer, it's like everybody was eagerly awaiting to see what new independent games are going to be released at XPLA. I mean, the year before it was Limbo and some other games, and uh, like Castle Crashers. In 2011, it was Bastion, and two other games which were really popular as well. And I just remember people fell in love with the game immediately. Yeah, I can see why. You know, you just have, like I said before, it's just you really feel for the character and you it's the beautiful graphics and music and there's you know there's a lot to love about it yeah i still haven't played pyre though as much as i i should but i haven't played it have either of you played pyre no i i do i did play transistor i've played all of super giants games there's only four of them <laughs> yeah. I've played all of them. Um, well, actually, yes, there are four of them. Um, but yes, I've played all of them through to the end. They're I love Super Giants games. They're one of my favorite developers. Um, Pyre is interesting because it's like, it's yeah, that's still, a depressing it's game. Still, it's still kind of a narrative and an RPG and a choice simulator, but it's also a sports game. Yeah, it's basically basketball. But what's really depressing about it is that um, the players you, you use, if you win, I believe, it's like they they have to ascend, or basically die, and um, 
it's like you have to say goodbye to to somebody that you really don't want to get rid of. You know, it's like it makes your your the teams that you choose for your basketball matches to uh, you know you really have to choose. Do I really want to get, lose this person? You know. Well, yeah, but like you also explore the world with those characters and explore what got them there. Because essentially, the idea behind Pyre is that it's a the world is a giant prison. Everybody is there because they did something wrong, and uh, and so it's it's an exploration of like both why they're there, whether it's worth ascending or not, and what happens if they do ascend. I like yeah, that game. I mean, they can't return. They become venerated, but it's like, I really like that person. I want to be able to continue using them or talking to them or, or you know, finding out about No, they're gone. They helped you win. Yeah. That is uh, sad. That's like a bittersweet. And the, I don't know, the art style kind of reminds me of Hades for some reason. Because it's the same developer. <laughs> it is? Oh, okay. Yes, I, I, all those games were... were uh, uh, Bastion, Transistor, Pyre, and Hades are all super giant oh, games. Okay. Sorry. So. All right then, that makes sense. But then. here's the thing. Um, one thing that ties with all of Super Giants games, from Bastion to Hades, is that they really like to have gameplay intertwined with story. That all the gameplay is intertwined with story, so that it, there's a justification there. It isn't just oh we're a you know it's just like, not like say a JRPG in which you're grinding and you have this these you know they, they you know you could be doing anything between missions you know here the game in, in Hades and in Bastion they make sure that the gameplay is intertwined with story so that you you, you can take out one and not have the other you know right and they're interconnected yeah I mean like in Bastion you know. Uh, you have the narrator, and you have um, you have you're building stuff using the story and using the gameplay. It's hard to it's hard. I mean, like Hades, you know, in Hades, you're constantly changing the environment with what you're doing. You okay? Yeah, like, and Hades, Hades is like, Hades is a. Like that adaptative, that ad- adaptive storytelling that uh, that Bastion did on a whole nother level, because it not only like remembers like the how far you got any in any given time, and has all sorts of like quirks and triggers that go with that. It also has all sorts of triggers and quirks and dialogue and narrative for like who even like which even power ups you use. Or what weapons you use, or if you won and then came back, and like I really, 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 really enjoy uh, Supergiant's level of storytelling. I think they've, I think the difference between like when you look at at Bastion's adaptive storytelling, and then when you look at Hades' level of storytelling, you can see the you can see the the similarities between the two, but you can also see how much they learned since Bastion. Yeah. Also, um, the look of Bastion is also memorable too. Um, and again, that's something that Supergiant Games, in all of its games, have had always have always been able to make their games look interesting. Yes. I uh, I enjoyed Hades as well, just being able to 
like it's it's okay. You're expected to uh, die. And you're supposed back. to die. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to. I, I I guess that would be rather interesting if somebody did a one life run where they just did on the very first go. But it feels like you would miss a lot of story if you did that. Like you're supposed to die and see all the story because they just keep they just keep having new stuff to say every time you come back, which is really great. And you know you can use whatever weapon you like. I don't feel like I'm not performing or something, you know, just just having fun and seeing what works and doing figuring it out on my own. It just really feels good. You know what other game in which you're supposed to die? Planescape Tournament. See, it all it all binds back together again. <laughs> the nameless one is supposed to die, or else the, yeah. the story can't even move forward if you don't die. Because the nameless one can't die. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, we're going to move on to game news. Ubisoft announces plans to develop play-to-earn blockchain and NFT games, and this is from IBT. Oh boy, you can always you can already hear the sighing in my voice. <laughs> I mean, when 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 this hit Twitter, I you could hear a collective sigh from every single gamer from here around the world. Uh, French game developer and publisher Ubisoft has shared its plans to be the key player in the industry when it comes to developing projects based on the play-to-earn concept. Blockchain technology and NFTs have begun disrupting the game industry. Though Valve previously removed blockchains and NFTs on Steam, other platforms like Epic Games have become more welcoming. Now it looks like Ubisoft wants to take part in the action. The company not only did not only invest in Animoca Brands, a blockchain gaming company, but also announced its plans to integrate blockchain technology into its video games releasing in the future. It's worth noting, however, that the company's plans remain vague to this day. Unknown to me... Many, uh, Ubisoft has been tinkering with blockchain for years. The company's Strategic Innovation Lab, a division looking into new technology like machine learning, AI, crypto, and blockchain, have been investigating blockchain since 2018. And if Ubisoft wanted to give me any more motivation to never play any of their games, they did a bang-up job. They Yeah, that, that <laughs> sounds like they're trying to get people to data mine for them or something. It just feels shady. You just say NFT to anybody on Twitter and they'll just shirt you with dirty luck. <laughs> yeah. And like By the way, we also buried the uh the buried the lead there a little bit because the other big news of the week was Valve said we're blocking blockchains and NFTs from Steam games. You can't do it, Ar. Yes. Yes. I think like Man, it sure would be nice if if Ubisoft figured out how to innovate good gameplay first. <laughs> if their games for like, I can't remember. I can. I mean, I, 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 I Watchdog Le- Watchdog Legion is the last Ubisoft game that I've played that I've really enjoyed, and it's the only game I've enjoyed from Ubisoft in a very long time that didn't have the word Rayman in their name. I thought Phoenix Rising was good, but I guess uh, it's not quite as like charming as the previous games we were just talking I about. I tried to enjoy Phoenix Rising. I just couldn't get into it as much. I Watchdog Legion is my jam. That's that's all I'll say. Watchdog Legion was my jam last year. If it wasn't the best game of the year for me, it was in the top three. I've heard good things about uh, Phoenix, uh, about Phoenix Rising, and I should give it a chance at some point. It is. Um, if you get tired of Zelda Breath of the Wild, <laughs> well, if you want a snarky, 
comedic version of that because uh, the main point of that game, the, the real, is to listen to Hades and Zeus bitch at, uh, bitch at each other all game. <laughs> they're narrating what you're doing, sort of like uh, Bastion, and they're just <laughs> throwing barbs at each other. It, it is a really funny game, but the gameplay is just so generic. That's the only real problem I have with it. The real reason to play Phoenix uh, Rising is just the uh, is just the is just the dialogue in the story. It's like watching a Saturday morning cartoon. I think Scott will agree with that. Doesn't it feel like yeah. you're playing a Saturday morning cartoon? <laughs> yeah, you, you you got comments from uh, Zeus even in the loading screen where you're getting advice. He's Zeus he's like yeah he's I mean, mocking yeah, you. Yeah, you're yeah, just getting you're good. just getting shit on by both of them. <laughs> The main character gets shat on by Zeus and 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 Hades. Both of us like, oh no, not Hades. Is it Kronos? No, it's Kronos. Kronos, yeah. Kronos and Hades. Kronos and Zeus are just shitting all over you. What? Prometheus. Oh, it's Prometheus. Oh, okay. Prometheus is on your side. Zeus thinks you're a shit. Yeah. And they're both, but they're both shitting on you anyway. It's like, yeah, Zeus. Yeah, you could do that, but you know, he's not that great. (laughs) Yeah. And I like. There's a nice lightheartedness to. It's very lighthearted. That's the point. But you see, that's supposed to be. That's the selling point for me. If you're gonna play that game, just enjoy the dialogue and the story because the gameplay is gonna be extremely dull. And the puzzles are okay. I mean, the puzzles are not mind-bending as much, but I don't know. Watch Dogs Legion did it better. I'm just gonna there, say. There, there are some more advanced ones. Like there's, uh, there's these side things. I forgot what it's called exactly, but it's, uh, I think it's like Artemis's challenge. Yeah. And you have to shoot an arrow. Through yeah, I mean, targets and you have to aim and guide it. That's not easy, you know. It's not easy, you know. no. But I'm just saying, it's incredibly generic. That's the only problem I have with it. It's bright and colorful, and it's a Saturday morning cartoon with the same light-headed, light-heartedness of that. But other than that, you know, I just couldn't get into it as much. Watch Dogs Legion, I could get into because it was also snarky and lighthearted. Oh, not that lighthearted. I mean, there's some terrible shit that goes on in that game. But if I was to tell you that Yahtzee Croshaw did some of the dialogue, you'd say, oh, yeah, I can tell his humor is in it. Yeah. Yeah. Point being, I don't trust – Ubisoft to make a NFT to make a sensible NFT anything. I I, I don't trust Ubisoft with anything actually. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Is I, I I don't trust Ubisoft to make a sensible NFT anything when they can't even really innovate a good game these days. Here's the thing, and, you know, and like you can say you can bring up singular one-off examples, but I can also bring up Far Cry or or Assassin's Creed or Ghost Recon or they never make a Splinter Cell anymore or any of the other mobile games that they've come out that with that have been pretty shitty. The last as good Assassin's Creed was probably Black Flag number four. Um, well, not number four. It's Black, Assassin's Creed four. Definitely not the fourth game because they had the two. Um, how many how many Assassin's Creed twos did they had? They had Assassin's Creed two, Assassin's Creed one standalone, and another standalone. I had like four or five at least, I think. In Assassin's Creed 2? No. I think it was... Assassin's Creed? Yeah, there's... No, no. I'm talking about Assassin's Creed 2. It was Assassin's Creed 2 and then two other games that had Assassin's Creed 2 in the title that dealt with Ezio. Oh, okay. So it was Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed 2, Assassin's Creed 2A, Assassin's Creed 2B, 
Assassin's Creed 3 and Assassin's Creed 4, which I guess is uh, number six in the series. Um, they had those two spinoffs in which they tried to do Mark of the Ninja. Assassin's Creed uh, India and Assassin's Creed China. China. No, it was China. No, it was, it, yeah, that was a 2D side-scroller. Though. It was it was trying to do what uh, Mark of the Ninja did. Yeah. <laughs> but after 4, I just went down the toilet. And even 4 was sort of creaky, but the pirate scenes were so fun that, you know, that you could look, overlook it. But um, I didn't like Watch Dogs 1 or 2. I did enjoy Watch Dogs Legion. And I haven't enjoyed a Far Cry game since number 2, to tell you the truth. I didn't even like 3 or 4. Um, and that was because um, they had that map editor, which was so wonderful. I, I just spent hours just creating maps. That no one ever used, but guess what? I don't care. <laughs> um, like I said, um, if they want to show me that they're doing something that I like, just make another Rayman game. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Definitely would love, like, too. more mm-hmm. Rayman. That, that had beautiful music. Speaking of lighthearted games. And uh, no more Raving Rabbits, please. Oh, yeah. Definitely that. Yeah, no more of that. Unless you want to play uh, Mario XCOM. Which is uh, Mario and Raving... What was it called again? Yeah. Which are murdering rabbits for fun. Like Mario and... Mario Madness or something. Mario and Raving Rabbids... Da-da-da-da-da something. It's an XCOM game. (laughs) Yeah. It's a surprisingly good XCOM game at that. Yeah. I mean, it's dumbed down, though. You know, like, there is no percentages. So if if they're in line of sight and you shoot them, they die. Uh, which so is basically what you're saying is it's a better XCOM. Yeah, I was about to say at least it isn't like 95 percent percent what's called hit. Oh, you missed. <laughs> um, what's interesting to me and Yati Kroshaw pointed this out is that you're forced to have a rabbit in your team because otherwise you could just have uh, the characters from Mario just doing outright genocide on the on the rabbits. <laughs> fine. No, you have to have collaborators who are willing to who are willing to join the Mario regime and join their their uh, their loyalty in murdering rabbits. Mm. <laughs> and the reason why you're murdering them is because they're just making just bumming everybody out. And they're finally about to have another one in which uh, it kind of looks like uh, Bowser's going to be part of it. Yeah. I mean, who knew that? Nintendo and Ubisoft will be collaborating to make the world's most anti-immigrant uh, games ever. You do things besides kill rabbits in those games. <laughs> yeah, but mostly you kill rabbits. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyways, um, let's move on to the next night, which is a lot more, <laughs> less depressing. Go ahead, Scott. Okay. Sega and Microsoft explore strategic alliance. This is from Sega Japan and CNET. Sega and Microsoft have agreed, in principle, a a strategic alliance that explores ways for Sega to produce large-scale global games in a next-generation development environment built on Microsoft's Azure Cloud platform. These unnamed games will be part of Sega's Super Game Initiative, which is designed to create online community-centric titles based on existing franchises. Uh, Noting how 5G makes it easier for people to access on-demand content, Sega said that the proposed alliance looks to the future as Japanese game maker explores cloud-based development processes. 
and I guess it's kind of novel they didn't just get straight bought out and they're instead doing some yeah. sort of cooperative alliance. But here's the thing. This is no different than what Microsoft and Sony are doing. <laughs> Microsoft and Sony have uh, collaborated because Sony needs those Azure servers too. See, Microsoft was very smart in making a cloud, you know, building a cloud before everybody realized they were going to need a cloud. And what this means is Sega is going into streaming games. Yeah, that does make sense since they're not really hardware, so why not stream their software? Uh, get it on as many platforms as possible. Now, the question is how many of these games are going to be exclusive to Microsoft? I'm not so sure that's going to happen. Um, what I think Sega is doing is they're going to make a lot of cell phone games of their major titles. I think uh, it has happened with several titles uh, going exclusive to uh, Microsoft, at least for you know uh, like a year or so. Uh, just like, especially with Game Pass, like you said. Yeah, Game Pass just uh, announced um, PC streaming. I'm I'm sure there'll be some Sega classics showing up on their Game Pass just to you know port those over real quick. I'm sorry, they're also doing Xbox streaming too. So they're finally doing their version of PlayStation Now. Right. The one that I think makes most sense because people enjoy because there is a major player base for it and it would make sense to do a worldwide launch is like I get I, I, I here's my bet here's my bet and I don't know if this is going to happen but it's my bet I am betting on Sega and Microsoft <coughs> putting together Fantasy Star Online 3 for a worldwide release that makes sense sure because Fantasy Star Online has always been in this weird spot where it launched in Japan so much earlier than it did anywhere else in the world. And so when it finally did launch, like, like you remember when Fantasy Star Online 2 launched last year? It's like 14 years behind the content that's launched in Japan. And... That's so immense. That's such an immense gap. And that, that that's a bit, I think it might be less than that. But it, it, the point being, it's years behind what's already launched in Japan. Now, if you had a Fantasy Star Online 3 that launched worldwide same day on a PC and Xbox, I think people would go bonkers over that to, to be able to start from the same page, from the same page. On a new online fantasy star, uh, on a new fantasy star online game. Well, I mean, here's the thing: games like Fortnite and Minecraft have already been big on on uh, cell phones and tablets, so I can see where Sega wants to get in on that action. Yeah, I just think that if you're gonna do it like on a worldwide scale, <coughs> pardon, if you're gonna do it on that. <coughs> If you're going to do it on a worldwide scale that's going to catch a lot of people's attention, I think that Fantasy Star Online is the is the partnership they pursue, especially with this with the talk of like using the Azure Cloud platform and 5G and all the and like community centric titles. That says Fantasy Star Online to me. And I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. But that's just the that's the franchise that sticks out in my mind when I think of the possibility here. I don't know. I want a Seaman sequel. A what? A Seaman sequel. A Seaman sequel. Yeah. I don't even know. 
You never heard of C-Man. I you don't you don't know about that fish with a human <laughs> face that talks to you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird thing in Japan. Apparently, what the putting fuck? A I human hate face it. on a fish. I don't like it. <laughs> oh, you think it's you think just the visual of it is bad? You should see some of the dialogue and the actions that thing takes. It looks stupid. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew about. Okay, it was like a. You never knew about Seaman? Oh my god! Not. <laughs> now you're gonna tell me you never heard of Echo the Dolphin? I did hear of Echo the Dolphin. Okay, but there like you go. This, this seems like a step beyond even Echo the Dolphin. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful compared to Seaman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just watch some gameplay videos of Seaman if you really want to be creeped out. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. Do some some watch some let's plays of Seaman. <laughs> this is what was going on in 1999, folks. <laughs> Man, no wonder the Dreamcast died. <laughs> yeah, uh, they actually released the Seaman two in 2007 for the Dreamcast, and it had already been canceled by then. Oh no, it was on PlayStation two. Never mind. Oh dear. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what uh what Sega and Microsoft come up with the from this like this super game initiative. Well, here's the thing: you're talking about Fantasy Star, and that makes the most sense because it's an online game. You know, the thing is that they're they're planning an entire bunch of games on on that. So yeah, it'll be multiple. It'll probably be a Sonic game. I'm I'm sure. Hmm. But like. You don't need online. That's the part that that makes me think Fantasy Star Online is because you don't really need online for Sonic, unless they're making. I, I don't know what a Sonic MMO would even be. <laughs> Who says it has to be an MMO? I guess it doesn't. It could be a Sonic Gotcha game too, or like but, I don't know. You know, it would make a perfect MMO if they really wanted to do it. Imagine a Jet Set Radio MMO. That would be dope. And I think a lot of people would be into it, too. Yeah. I mean, all you have to do is create a, a, a facsimile of uh, Tokyo, and boom, you have it. Yes. Yeah. Of course, you want to do a columns game. <laughs> Persona could also be an MMO with some adjustment. That's true. Oh, that, that, that's We forgot that Sega owns Atlas. Mm-hmm. So... But, uh, yeah, like, they already have the monster be- uh, best cherry built into it. The idea of, like, normal people being, like, they can be heroes if they try in this world. And uh, I guess you could also do that with Valkyria Chronicles, too. Mm-hmm. But. So, there are a lot of opportunities. It'll be interesting to see what comes out of this. I think it's a really interesting, uh, just like the partnership is, means there's a lot of possibilities. Yes, and then we can get a Shenmue 4. Or maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyways, um, I I don't know. A lot of people went apeshit over this, like Microsoft is getting some new exclusives. That's not what's going on here. I mean, all Sega is doing is saying, "Hey, guess what? We're 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 getting Microsoft's Azure cloud platform, and we're going to do some games on it." I mean, here's the thing: the main reason to do the real main reason to do this is if Sega wants to release big games on the Switch without having to worry about hard drive space. Yeah, 
And Microsoft really doesn't care if people release stuff on the Switch. They they release stuff on the Switch themselves, so why would they care if Sega did? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, it's... Azure is going to be... Like, it seems to me like Microsoft doesn't care about anything quite as much as they care about Azure these days. Because that's where they're going to make a lot of their money is letting other people use Azure. Yeah, and wasn't there a recent... Oh, yeah. Uh, One thing we're not covering um, was the recent controversy about the Nintendo 64 games that are on Switch and that they are terrible. Terrible ports, that is. Yeah, some of them are poorly emulated. Like, I think Ocarina of Time is uh, is a game where like the the controls are just. Well, not only that, but the um, the fog is also not there as well. So you have these weird things in which you're seeing things that were not supposed to be seen because they would have fog on them. Uh, Yeah, there was the. I saw a side by side shot of the uh, Shadow Link battle. And you can see, you can see like all the fog is gone, so you can see the building and the the little island, and looks very clear. But in the original, there was supposed to be fog to make it look, you know, uh, depth, uh, depth of field, and also kind of just mystique to it. And that atmosphere is gone with no fog. I don't know why the fog is gone. That's just strange. Uh, Maybe they thought, well, guess what? We have the power of the switch now. We don't need fog anymore. Except so. they, the fog. You see, they needed the fog, but they also used the fog as a, um, as a atmosphere. way to for atmosphere too. Um, and here's something you don't, people don't seem to realize. There's a reason why there's so many hills and blind turns in something like, um, oh god, what's the name of that? I can't believe I forgot the name of it. Um, Red Dead Redemption Two, because it looks gorgeous. Because you never have to deal with long. On you know flat uh, a scenery, which by the way was why uh, Cyberpunk 2077 was was so glitchy is that they didn't do that they had just this flat out environment and the uh, processors on the Xbox One and the PlayStation Four chugged because they couldn't handle it. That's why Red Dead Redemption Two looks so good is because you're always have stuff blocking it and the game is loading as you go. Anyways, we're gonna move on to the next item. Uh, go ahead, TJ. Microsoft is planning 3D metaverse apps from The Verge. Microsoft just announced its meta- Microsoft Teams metaverse for meetings and video calls, but the company also has plans for gaming and entertainment. Speaking to Bloomberg TV, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella says the software maker is absolutely focused on gaming for the metaverse with Xbox. You can absolutely expect us to do things in gaming, says Nadella. If you take Halo as a as a game, it is a metaverse. Minecraft is a metaverse, and so is Flight Sim. In some sense, they're 2D today, and the question is, can you now take that to a full 3D world? And we absolutely plan to do so. Transforming micro, Minecraft, Halo, and Flight Sim into full 3D worlds is an ambitious project, particularly in, if these environments will allow players to explore them together side-by-side side with VR, AR headsets. Microsoft Flight Simulator already does a lot with this, with players able to pilot planes in a multiplayer environment that mimics real-world weather and locations. Flight Sim and Minecraft even have VR support, too. 
2017, Microsoft acquired Altspace VR, the virtual reality social network that hosts events like stand-up comedy or presidential debate-watching parties. Can you imagine having a Minecraft metaverse in which it's like something you could live in? It's sort of like Ready Player One in that respect. I've, I've seen someone playing Minecraft with a VR headset. I don't not sure what the headset was, but uh, I definitely well, it's for it's for PlayStation Four version has it, and I think the PC version has VR. I think too. I know that they specifically released um, Minecraft for a PS PSVR. All I know for sure is that uh, Microsoft and Facebook sure do like pondering the word on things. Meta. <laughs> they they sure do. Oh yeah, that's the other news of this week. Facebook is changing its name to Metamucil. I mean Meta. <laughs> Facebook I love, is. I love the Office memes I've seen where it's like you know Ryan's like trying to sell the the that pyramid little thing and was like this is Meta and I was like just call me Meta now and Jim's like no we're not going to call you that. <laughs> you know the thing is that uh, one of the reasons why Facebook is doing it is that they're trying to distract people from the fact that they are in a lot of legal problems right now. Yeah, they had this meta idea thing like playing around like coming around of rumors for quite a while, but then it's like suddenly a whistleblower is talking to Congress and uh Facebook is sure coming up a lot for all the stupid things they've done over the course of years regarding whether or not they actually what they do the research into uh <laughs> like hate groups and uh and and filters for such things and then they turn them off because it turns out that doesn't generate clicks and suddenly facebook is like hey look over here we're na- our name is meta now <laughs> yeah. it's it's pretty transparently shitty on facebook's part yeah I, they can call themselves whatever they like call for it. um <laughs> yeah so like and also Facebook and Microsoft's idea of what a metaverse should be is just straight up Second Life and VR chat. Yeah, but here's the thing. The difference between the two is that Microsoft has games people play, and I'm pretty sure there's a lot of Halo fans who would love to be able to, you know, sit around in a UNSC spaceship and just chat with each other in it. You know, before and it's like it it, it it could be a launching platform for a match. You know, it could be it, they could actually turn it into a lobby. I'm ninety I'm ninety nine percent certain that you can program a screen into Second Life that could play. Uh, that if you had the BIOS. No, no, no. I mean, but wearing a VR set. I mean, a VR. Here's the thing. I sometimes I just wish I could do more of. You now you have the Oculus Quest Two, right? And you have a home environment, and I chose mine. My new, it used to be the space one. Now it's the futuristic city one. And I'm thinking, you know what? It would be nice if I could do more with that environment than just sit and look pretty and be able to look out the window and occasionally see a hover train going by. You know, because my thoughts start thinking of Blade Runner. You know, it's sort of like, see, sometimes I. I go and I have a playlist of every single Star Citizen commercial that has ever been. And here's the thing. Um, I, I, people may not know this, but Star Citizen loves to make commercials that make it seem like they're in-universe commercials. And sometimes I let that play and pretend I'm in the year 2833 or something, and I'm just chilling out in the future. 
with just the TV going with all these commercials playing for, for that futuristic for that futuristic world. And that's what I would like to do more of in Oculus Quest 2, to have a future, you know, just be able to chill out and just sit in that room and do something, you know, and maybe explore a bit. So I'm all in. If Microsoft wants to do a metaverse in, in VR, I'm, fi- I'm fine with that, you know. I think I would be – so, like, the possibilities of metaverse and and Microsoft, whether it's Facebook or, or Microsoft, certainly they're – there are a lot of opportunities in both. The problem is that they only ever fucking talk about them using these things for the most boring things, applications that have already been done by other people. Well, I mean, they used, they, they bought Altspace, which is basically a, a, an environment for, by the way, uh, aren't they lucky they got that at a time, you know, like three years later, guess what? People need to have virtual, can only do virtual meetings. So, um, I don't know. It's just a cool concept that I would like to get into. Uh, Scott, you're about to say something. About uh, which thing? Uh, well, here's a question, uh, Scott. What if you had a Minecraft lobby in which, you know, you could chat to your friends and everybody looks like a Minecraft character before you go uh, start doing stuff in there in VR? Well, I mean, Minecraft doesn't really have lobbies. I, I guess you don't really... You, no, it, would, it wouldn't create one. Like, sort of like, you know... I mean, there's nothing stopping me from chatting with them on Discord or Skype or some other voice thing and just going around. Yeah, I know, but being in stuff. VR, being in, doing it all in VR, in which you have your own avatars. Uh, I guess VR would be nice, yeah. Um, but I think I'm pretty used to the mouse and keyboard as well. Well, you'd be using the mouse and keyboard. You just have a, a VR headset on, that's all. Yeah. I think I'd, I guess I'd have to stand up and use a wand or something to... See how that works. Uh, I've never had to stand up. I mean, one of the good things about Oculus Quest 2 is it acknowledges the fact that you may not want to be standing up when you're doing shit. So they do have the uh, Guardian, um, Solitary Guardian, for when you're just sitting down. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, I just think it's a cool idea. Um, I Here's the thing. They showed off that whole lens with, with Minecraft, like, what, six, seven, eight years ago? And they really haven't done anything with it lately. Yeah, that that was weird. It, it came up and it was a thing for a little while, and then it just went away. And then you and had that anyone do VR uh, Minecraft well, since. Well, no, no, they had the they had the Minecraft uh, AR thing too, but that was only like a year, and then it stopped. Oh, you mean augmented reality? Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, they they shut that off. I guess it didn't earn as much as they thought it would. And or maybe they they have different plans. Say, hey, wait a minute, we can do this instead. Yeah, I don't know. DJ, you want to wrap this up? <laughs> DJ? DJ. Oh, like, like I said, I think there's huge opportunities for metaverse stuff. I just want to see something that's actually like. Yeah, me too. I want to, uh, I want to see, I want to see applications beyond fucking the same shit we've seen over and over and over the, and over the, again. The only thing I think would, because when you say metaverse to me, it would make me think that somehow. Like they mentioned, Halo, Flight Simulator, and Minecraft. Were you all three of them connected? <laughs> Somehow crossing over, or at least you can chat with them. At the, it, it would be strange, I think, to do that. Because I know on Xbox you can chat with your friends on the Xbox Live and be playing different games. But in this, I don't know. That would be maybe a little bit 
strange if you're flying a plane and somebody else is mining another person is uh you see a flight simulator plane just going over your <laughs> over your head while you're mining something and all of a sudden you have a sticky grenade on you it's like no um what what it meant what i think what they mean by metaverse is that um it's the game beyond the game you know in which even if you stop playing you're still in the halo universe you're doing something in the halo universe same thing with minecraft you stop playing minecraft but you're still doing something in that universe. It'll be interesting to see what kind of applications they come up with beyond the normal, like, here's how you can do video calls and office <laughs> management in Metaverse. It's like, boring, move on. Well, that's what they already did. That's what they've been doing for the past four years. I mean, that's the reason, the entire reason why they, they bought Allspace VR. Yeah, but at the same time, what I'm saying is that other people have done it better at this point, and I think that they should just find, I think that they should expand past that and come up with something more interesting. Well, like I said, you know, having a Halo non-MMO, and by that I mean it's an it's an MMO, but you're not really, you know, you're just living in the universe, you're not doing anything else, you know, and then you decide, I'm going to play some Halo now. You know, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. Do it. Punch it in. <laughs> I hope they do. Look for our show notes at GamingPodcast.l, all the news and news in our gaming history articles. We can drive you back to comments at our blog at GamingPodcast.net. I'll set us up at Facebook.com slash GamingPodcast. So subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us some iTunes comments. You can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chugs. You can find me at Shard Remore. And we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun, be cool, play games, y'all. <laughs>